everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Okay, so this week uh, I'm trying something a little bit different. I am trying a first impressions kind of a discussion on a K drama, um, and this is because I have watched a bit of said K drama and feel like it might not be for me. It might not be the kind of drama that I'm going to keep going with, but I still feel like there's a lot to like about it and a lot of weird shit about it um, that I kind of wanted to talk about. So this is my first impressions of the. 2020 Korean drama Dr. Romantic 2. So Dr. Romantic 2 uh, is coming out very, very early 2020. It is the second season um, in a sort of connected way from a drama that I think came out last year. Oh, geez. 2016 was when the first installment came out. Um, I didn't realize it was that long ago. That is crazy. So Dr. Romantic, I feel like it's actually got a different name as well. Um, yeah, Romantic Dr. Teacher Kim or Dr. Romantic um, has all sorts of weird titles. I'm not sure what's so romantic about him either, to be honest. Um, so basically, I did watch the first episode of Dr. Romantic season one, um, probably back in 2016, um, and I quite enjoyed it. It had a very steamy kiss in the first episode, um, so that was heaps of fun, but I didn't, I kind of always meant to keep going with it, but I sort of didn't. And then, you know, this year when Dr. Romantic 2 came out and it was starring um, an actress that I absolutely adore, Lee Sung Kyung. I love her so very much. Of course, she's from um, weightlifting fairy Kim Bok Ju and other roles as well. Um, so I really wanted to watch this because she was in it. And I've sort of had bad luck with some of her dramas recently in that I just haven't been able to get into them. But I like her so much that I really do want to watch her in something. Um, so I did pick this one up. So season two um, of Dr. Romantic or Romantic Dr. Mr. Kim teacher, whatever, um, it stars the same dude as teacher Kim. So he's this kind of um, older guy who's this genius doctor and he works out in this country hospital in the middle of nowhere, Doldum Hospital. And um, basically in season one, you know, he sort of gets all these young doctors who are really cool and they come work for him and they overcome their traumas and learn heaps and are really inspired by him probably I haven't seen it <laughs> and season two seems to be same deal so this time teacher Kim and a lot of the same side characters who work in the hospital have recruited a whole new bunch of cool young hot doctors who are all going to have like emotional things going on and traumatic pasts and lots of affairs and stuff like that so 
I both kind of really enjoyed it and also I think it's not really for me. I'll start with the reason why I think it's not for me and because I think that that isn't a universal thing. I think it's a personal taste thing. I don't know that I like hospital dramas. Um, I am slowly realizing throughout my life. I don't mind them. But I think that there is something about the case of the week kind of way that, of course, hospital dramas have to operate that kind of gives, you know, the dramatic focus each episode um, is always going to be focused on, you know, whatever surgery or operation or ethical conflict or danger there is to do with that sort of case of the week sort of format. And I think perhaps I... Maybe sometimes with dramas, I prefer that long form storytelling where there is one story that is slowly being peeled back and revealed over the course of, say, 16 episodes or 20 episodes if it's like a historical. I think I do really enjoy that because I think it allows you to really, really dig deep. Um, Of course, in saying that, an episodic kind of drama like this Dr. Kim teacher romance one, um... You know, obviously, I guess the character development is the stuff that is slowly peeled back and, you know, the romance and things like that are slowly peeled back over the course of the whole drama. And I have to say that those are the elements of a show like this that I love the most. But then I just come to that sort of balance, um, warring balance where I'm like, is it worth it to me to watch all of the you know, the hospital case of the week stuff in order to get my character development and romance fix, or is it not worth it to me? Um, because I, I, to be honest, like all the hospital bureaucracy stuff and, you know, the, the, all the genius surgeons trying to like out genius each other and take each other down. And it's kind of boring to me. Like, you know, the directors on the board who want to shut down the hospital and want to get rid of Dr. Romantic because he's, you know, I don't know, too romantic. He's too smart. I don't know why they want to get rid of him. But, you know, I guess he's, um, you know, he's eccentric and he he's, goes against the rules and stuff like that. And I, But I just, I found that stuff a little bit boring, I suppose. And the stuff that I found really interesting that I'd love to watch the show for is the romance and the characters. Um, I really like the two, you know, new young doctors in this season too. I think they're both very compelling. I would love to just watch them and all my favorite bits out of the episodes that I have watched, um, you know, it's all their parts. But then I notice that I'm kind of watching the show and I'm tuning out for the rest of it. And I'm only kind of looking up and perking up when they're on screen. And I think that to watch this drama, I would sort of be ignoring too much of it, you know, and not really getting a sense of it. And that's not really the kind of drama experience um, that I want to have. So I think for me, this isn't my kind of drama, which really sucks. Um, I feel like it's kind of been happening to me a little bit lately in that I'm finding these dramas that are I guess have elements that I adore and really want to watch, but then other elements that kind of turn me off enough that I don't think I can sit through them. And because of that, you do miss out on the parts of the show that I think that I could really connect with and really enjoy. So this episode, sorry, this Korean drama has 16 episodes. Um, It's obviously a modern set drama. It's set in a hospital. 
So basically, um, the story starts off with Teacher Kim. So if you have watched season one, I think you will understand, you know, who he is. He's a total genius surgeon and he is in this really weird, shitty country hospital. So this show has such a soapy vibe to it, to be honest. I liked it. I really liked it. So the country hospital, Doldum or whatever it's called, is like, it's gothic, it's dark. It's like, you know, the windows are rattling from the from the rain and the wind. And there's, you know, like just um not even a paved road to get there through the countryside. Like it's so kitschy and it just really reminds me of one of those kind of like American soap operas, just the lighting of it and the overly dramaticness and you know, the hospital almost has this like dark gothic kind of atmosphere with these really quirky, weird characters. And so I really liked that stuff. I like it's quite campy and fun and just, I don't know, I really liked it. And everyone is just, oh, they're so emotional and dramatic, but I don't mind it. You know, I think um, there's really a place for these kind of over the top soapy sort of shows, I think, um, I don't know, just overly emotional. There's something quite fun about it. Um, so I, I do really enjoy those aspects of the show. And it's it's just all the... Oh, I guess I'm not into watching hospital stuff. Like I found myself really like eh, about some of the cutting open of people and the stick in your hand inside someone and squeezing their heart till it comes back. And I was just like, ah. So it's such a personal thing. Like I feel like if you guys are listening to this, this might just be totally your kind of show because maybe you don't get squeamish about the actual, you know, operations and stuff like that. And um, maybe you find, you know, the hospital stuff a little bit more compelling than I do. And and it's just such a personal thing. But in saying that, the stuff that I did really enjoy and do find compelling is Teacher Kim basically goes up to Seoul and he recruits some doctors, but he does it in a very unorthodox way. And we get introduced to the other main two characters, I suppose, of the show, although it's very much so an ensemble drama, I have to say. There's a lot of different characters and they all clearly have very um, fleshed out roles to portray. Um, so the male lead in this is played by the actor An Hyo Sop. An Hyo Sop. It's a hard one for me to say. So he's playing a character called Woo Jin. So this actor I have seen before in um, a really wonderful Korean drama called Still 17, which I really loved, which has um, Young Sejin and also I've forgotten her name at the moment, but I love the actress in it as well. Um, and he played a side role. I guess he was the second male lead, but he was sort of like a real cutesy puppy type, a younger brother who was, you know, in love with his Nuna, but had zero chance of anything ever happening. But he was adorable. And then he starred in the Korean drama called Abyss. Um, and I didn't like that drama and I didn't like him in it. He wasn't he didn't really do anything for me in that show. He was very cute and nice and likable um, in Still 17. But then when he was in Abyss, I don't know if he just took on a lead role too quickly. I don't really know what it was. Um, so going into Dr. Romantic 2 and knowing that An Hyosop was starring in it um, as the male lead, I think I was quite... Um, wary. I didn't think he was going to be very good. I've got to be honest. Um, he is really good. I really like his performance. He has enough sort of gravitas and weight and charm to him to really, 
hold down his scenes and feel quite larger than life when he's on the screen, which is what I think he was really lacking in Abyss. So I don't know what happened there. I don't think that show was probably written particularly well either. So, you know, probably that just wasn't his fault, but it was kind of a bad showcase for him. Um, And Doctor Romantic 2 is just going gangbusters in Korea in terms of ratings. It is unbelievably popular Um, and it's very dramatic and fun. (laughs) So um, I really like An Hyosop in this. I think he's very good. So his character Woo Jin is obviously, you know, I've only watched the first little bit. So I'm just going to give you my first impressions of his character at the beginning of the drama. So he's obviously from not a ritzy ritz sort of background. He is obviously um, a little bit poor and he has gone to university, um, potentially taken out loans um, to get himself through. And now he has loan sharks on his back and he's very, he's not a happy dude. He owes a lot of money. He's getting bashed up by loan sharks. He's very, very desperate. And his whole philosophy is sort of to be out for himself and get himself where he needs to be and fuck everyone else. But he's made this decision while working in a hospital in Seoul to basically be a whistleblower when he sees some bad corruption happening. But because You know, and that's the right thing to do. He does the right thing, even though it's kind of against his personal philosophy of looking after himself first. So he obviously cares about justice and it's quite an interesting um, contradiction in his character that he's made this decision to do it. But what has resulted from that decision is that he is completely ostracized throughout the medical community with all the other doctors. Um, They all hate his guts because they feel like he could whistleblow on anybody at any point. And they're supposed to stick together as a community and keep each other safe. So he is reviled. Everyone hates him. But obviously he is very good at his job. And so he's just constantly getting let go and fired um, just because of his reputation. And everyone is so cruel to him. They're saying like he works in as, you know, a male guy and you know pouring drinks in host bars and like just real shitty stuff. And they're just treating him like a piece of shit. Um, but he gets recruited by teacher Kim, who's desperately needing some new doctors at his weird gothic country hospital because all the main actors from season one of Dr. Romantic have obviously gone off to do other stuff. <laughs> and now he has some vacancies for some new lead actors at his hospital. So he picks up Woo Jin and, you know, says that he can come down and he can apply for this job if he wants to. But teacher Kim is also like, he's one of those tough love types and he's going to tell it like it is. And he's not going to be very nice to anybody, but he also seems like the kind of guy who is very inspiring. Who's always going to do the right thing. Who's always going to take the risk to fall. Like if it's going to help a patient, he's always going to do his best. And I think very quickly, um, Wu Jin admires him even though teacher Kim sort of really makes Woo Jin beg for the position in the end as a doctor at Doldum Hospital and really makes him I guess have to do a trial period like Woo Jin really has to impress teacher Kim and I don't know how he's gonna fucking do that from the point that I've watched because teacher Kim's pretty unimpressible <laughs> but I'm sure Woo Jin will manage it um, so I really like Woo Jin. He's a very like damaged, traumatized kind of type, but there's, you know, he's not a smiley kind of dude at all, but there's a few flashbacks. Um, so this brings me to the female lead, Cha and jae played by the lovely actress Lee Sun-kyung. So Cha and jae is 
interesting character. She is obviously unbelievably book smart, but we learn throughout the first few episodes that she has problems with the practical stuff, particularly like a bit of a fucking gag reflex whenever she's cutting somebody open, which is like, how the fuck did she get through medical school if she can't even do any of the things that you have to do as a medical professional? I do not know. She's clearly incredibly smart and intelligent and ambitious, but we also learn that she has gone to medical school to please her mother and it is not where her heart is. It's not really necessarily what she would have chosen for herself. And even though she's done very, very, very well at all her exams, um, not so much the practical side, but, you know, all the book exams and theory and stuff, um, she's had to really work her butt off and sacrifice all these other elements in her life that she feels like she could have enjoyed. And the interesting thing is that Unjay and Woojin both went to university together and he back then was a bit of a loner as well and a little bit clearly has walls and doesn't really like interact. Um, and him and Unjay, something has happened. They obviously had a bit of something going on and we see in a few little flashbacks of him reaching over to kiss her. We never see like at the beginning of the drama, as far as I've watched, we never see whether he actually does or not. But that is a hook, my friends, like that of seeing that scene. I was like, whoa, I want to watch this. I want to know what's going on. I want to know what the history is and I want to know what they are to each other now because they have a very interesting vibe. Um, so Chan Jae, because, you know, she has this gag reflex to cutting humans open. She's obviously taking like crazy pills to su suppress like her whatever, I don't know, sicknesses while she's doing operations. But it's also like, making her fall asleep during operations. So she's literally fainting all the time in the middle of medical procedures. And again, she hasn't lost her job. It's all good. She just gets into like a shit ton of trouble. I honestly don't understand how she's a doctor. She's completely incompetent and that's the truth. I mean, not with small procedures, but she can't step inside a surgery. She can't do it. So, I mean, I guess that's her big character thing that she's going to have to get over and learn to, you know, to get on top of. But, um, yeah, it's a big problem. I don't, I don't really know how she's kept her job for quite as long as she has. Um, but she, you know, gets in all this trouble at Seoul for falling asleep in the middle of an operation. She doesn't fall asleep. She just sort of faints, um, faints and falls over. And so teacher Kim recruits her and she doesn't really know why he's recruited her. And at first she thinks she's there as a punishment. Um, because she thinks it's a shit weird gothic hospital in the middle of nowhere. So Woojin is much more on board immediately. You know, he wants to stay at Doldum. It is his final hope. He's desperate. He needs the paycheck to pay back his loans. And there's something about Teacher Kim that really sparks Woojin. Like, I think there's something there that Woojin very much so admires and feels like he could respect. Um, so I quite like the relationship there, you know, mentor and young doctor that is sort of brewing. But Njay, she feels very differently. She hates everything about where she's been sent and she wants to go back to Seoul. Um, she kind of hates teacher Kim because he's well tough on her. Like he's just basically, you're not allowed in the surgery. You're a fuck up. You keep fainting. I hate you. And she's really, really hurt by the stuff he's saying. And she doesn't quite realize that teacher Kim is also giving her an opportunity. Yes, it's a tough love opportunity, but it's an opportunity to grow and change as a doctor and become someone better, um, someone really skilled. Um, but she has to endure it. You know, she has to be the one to work hard and do it. But of course, um, within the first few episodes, oh, 
I just wanted to say I really like um, Anjay and Bujin's reactions. I like how they are together. Um, he kind of constantly sort of, you know, gets up in her face and kind of puts her on the back foot and, you know, I guess just uses that physicality to remind her that he's there, I suppose, and maybe remind her of their history, whatever that may be, whatever romantic history that they have that is very interesting and I want to know. And Anjay is obviously, you know, I think a little bit, affected by him sometimes he's nice to her sometimes he's not he's very hot and cold he's one of those drama hero types who's turns it on and off um and really keeps her stringing along which you know games always the romance games isn't it <laughs> um but Anjay is she's also out to just get herself out of this horrible hospital and so she kind of tries to enlist Wujin to help her um, because there's this mad crazy thing happens where some like defense general attorney dude, I don't know who he is, but anyway, he's like really high up in the government and him, he falls off a cliff in a car or something and he gets brought to the hospital and, you know, then all these bureaucrats and other doctors from Seoul turn up and everyone's just having all this crazy infighting and blah, blah, blah. But Anjay tries to use it as an opportunity to ingratiate herself back with all the Seoul doctors and get back to Seoul. Um, which, you know, she shouldn't because even if she goes back to Seoul, she can't go into a surgery. So I don't really understand what her like long-term aim is here. She's, she can't do her job properly. So, uh, she's also clearly completely in love with one of the other doctors who's been transferred to Doldam, who is married, um, and she's just mooning over him all the time. So I guess that kind of shows you where the relationships, like obviously things are going to get complicated, um, but I think Wujin seems to have some sort of residual something going on for Anjay. Like he's a little bit moved by her, but Anjay is just dealing with her own shit. She keeps fainting. She's got all these worries and traumas. She, she's very ambitious and wants to get back to Seoul. And meanwhile, she's also mooning over this married guy. So I kind of like it. I'd be, you know, it's all very overly dramatic. It's very like, you know, those American soaps, like bold and the beautiful or something like that. Um, everything's really overdone in terms of the emotions and I don't mind it at all like I think there's a place for that kind of drama and it can be quite fun um but it's more just the hospital and procedural and bureaucracy stuff that I don't like so much and I find myself just getting a little bit bored I love all the human stuff I love the human interactions not the human interactions that is just teacher Kim and his nemesis going at each other's throats and being you know just constantly fighting and one of the things that I think is a fucking hilarious is every single like big emotional interaction or conflict constantly happens over like a patient who is literally dying and everyone just sort of pauses what they're doing to say fight over who's going to be the lead doctor and who has permission to do this doctoring thing and who doesn't and it's fucking hilarious like I swear all of these patients would just bleed out and die underneath them if actual doctors just paused their doctoring to have like all these big emotional fights and interactions and moments together so it's weird I mean you know it's just that whole alternate soap reality where these things don't really matter and you just got to run along with the absolute bonkersness of you know this weird gothic hospital and the fact that everyone's always shouting at each other instead of like actually saving the um the patients there's such a weird sort of pause all the time one of the funniest scenes for me is um 
you know, when the ambos, the ambulances come in, um, you know, the ambulance people run in the paramedics with a stretcher with this guy that they've rescued from this cliff, you know, this really big politician dude. And they, they rush him into the hospital, into the emergency room and all the doctors rush over and surround the, um, the trolley with, you know, this dying dude on it. And everyone just stops. And then they just stand there still while the paramedics are like, his heart beats this, he's doing this, he's bleeding out, we think he has this, blah, 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 medical terms, blah, blah. And no one, like, does it, and they all just stand there listening. And then when the paramedics stop talking, everyone's like, quick, quick, get him over here. But it's like, I feel like in an actual hospital, the medical people would be telling them that as they wheel them over to the emergency place where they would have to be. Like, I just feel like there would be a little bit more, like, less of this like pausing, like, let's just stop. Let's leave this guy here to bleed out internally while we have a chat about, you know, whatever. It's so weird, but you know, it's soap reality. So you just go with it. So my first impressions of this show is it is mad popular. And I feel like the human interactions in it feel a little bit addictive in that heightened reality over-the-top muck-jung kind of screaming at each other, very emotional kind of way. Um, I think it could be really fun and very addictive, but I can't do all the hospital stuff. I think it's not for me, and it's just a personal thing. Um, I have watched a couple hospital dramas. I'm trying to think back. I know I've watched at least one hospital drama the whole way through, and I feel like I, you know, the parts of it that I enjoyed the least was the case-by-case hospital stuff um it's just not personally my thing and it's the same way that I really really love watching historicals set in Joseon times and I would I know for sure that there would be some listeners who that just wouldn't be your thing you mightn't enjoy that um everyone has such different taste and I think that's why we're so lucky that Korean dramas come in so many different genres to suit every taste um but I do feel a little bit sad because um, I think I've stopped watching um, Dr. Romantic Teacher Kim too. Um, but I feel a little bit sad about it. I keep thinking about it. I keep thinking about the characters and I keep feeling like I'd love to see how that romance develops. And I'd love to see how Jay gets over her weird vomiting thing and fainting thing. And I just, I do want to know, but I don't know that I want to know enough to sit through <laughs> the show. So I think that's it from me on Dr. Romantic 2. Um, I think it could be worth your time. Oh, I just want to mention, right? Sorry, before I go. So one of the nurses is played by the actor Kim Min-jae. So Kim Min-jae is like, he's a lead actor in multiple dramas. And then here he is playing this little side character who barely gets any screen time in this one. It's super weird, but I guess, you know, he, I presume he must be in season one and maybe, you know, he's just reprising his role. But I feel like he's, you know, he's probably a little bit bigger than that now. But, you know, it's kind of nice, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, now I'm really done. I'm finished. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. So that was my first impressions of Dr. Romantic 2. So now it is time for my random thing of the week. And it's pretty embarrassing this week. Oh, I think I'm going to be brave and do it, um, but it's going to be pretty stupid. So I'm sorry. Um, so basically, because I am going to be going to Korea on a trip and it's not for a very, very long time, it is so far away, I thought it would be really cool to get back into learning 
Korean again. Um, I had been learning on and off, you know, for quite a while, so many years ago, um, but I haven't learned now for, my gosh, so many years, like five years, six years. It's really, really sad because um, I did, you know, I worked really hard at it um, for a few years there in the beginning, um, but you, you really do lose a language very quickly once you stop studying it. And it's such a shame because, you know, you think I watch so many Korean dramas that I would keep that language fresh in my mind or be able to understand what people say but because obviously the shows have subtitles my brain just concentrates on the subtitles and it doesn't take in any of the Korean um, it doesn't even try to so um, unfortunately I don't think that's helped me at all <laughs> in keeping up those language skills which is so sad um, on my very first trip to Korea, I found it extremely helpful to have even just the most basic level of language. Um, to be honest, like you could totally get around with only English. Um, there's a, I mean, if, if, yeah, there's, there's a lot of signage, um, you know, on the trains, there's English, um, you know, voiceovers and things. So it's all doable and it's not that hard. And even if people can't speak English, um, you know, over there these days, there's apps, there's everything. But at the same time, being able to interact even on such an utterly basic level was really fun. You know, if you go and buy street food to be able to say, you know, how much is it? And just little things like that was, was pretty cool. Um, the other reason that it was great for me was I am actually vegetarian. Um, I don't eat meat, um, just a personal choice. Um, and it was, it was so handy to be able to explain that to people in restaurants when you don't understand what any of the food is, um, just to be able to say, oh, can I have something, whatever you've got with no meat, which of course is hard in Korea because it, you know, it is a very meat centric place, which is fine. Um, so anyway, what I'm going to do as my random thing is because I've started, trying to self-study the Korean language again, which is, it's fucking hard. That's what it is. Um, I thought I would do my best to um, <laughs> read out a little thing that I've been working on, but I warn you guys, my Korean is not good and I'm sure I've got bits of it wrong and I'm sure that it sounds stupid, but you know, I'm going to give it a try. 안녕하세요. 이름이 리 저는 초짜예요. 저는 한국 드라마를 진짜 좋아하고 매일 보고 있어요. 올해 저하고 남편하고 같이 한국에 여행할 거예요. 그래서 요즘 한국어 공부하고 있어요. <웃음> so there you go. That is my attempt at saying some stuff in Korean. <웃음> I'm sure it's so terrible. Um, I'm a bit embarrassed, but also it's quite exciting to share that I am trying to learn a language and, you know, I admire people who can speak more than, than you know, their first language. I, I admire it so much. Um, as an adult learning a language, it is fucking hard. It's so difficult. So I really take my hats off to any listeners who can speak more than one language already. I think that is super cool. Well done. <laughs> now 
it is time for my something I'm loving this week section of the podcast. Um, And something that I am truly loving this week is I went to the cinema and I saw a movie. So I went to see Emma, which has been released lately. So obviously that is Jane Austen's Emma, which has been, you know, turned into yet another film. Um, I am a huge Jane Austen fan. I love her books and I guess, you know, over the years I've watched so many different adaptions of her novels and I have loved a lot of them, like very, very much. Um, I guess my favourite Jane Austen book is Persuasion, which I find utterly romantic and beautiful. I love it. That was, I think, Jane Austen's last novel that she wrote um, and it does have a maturity about it that I just think it's such a beautiful novel. Um, And Emma has interestingly enough been one of my least favourite stories by Jane Austen um, and particularly in all the adaptions I've seen on screen and you know TV shows um, or miniseries or whatever they they've never really got my heart um, I, I just don't love the story in the way that I love say Pride and Prejudice or Northanger Abbey or Persuasion but I have to say that This adaption of Emma, um, which is by apparently first-time director Autumn DeWilde, it's so good. So this is the 2020 version of Emma and how it's written, they put a full stop at the end of the title. I would say that if you enjoy period dramas, um, like any of that kind of Jane Austen stuff, like go see this film or, you know, just try and watch it. I thought it was so good. I loved it so much. I mean, it's a comedy, but it's very romantic and it's a little bit, you know, I guess the humor is a little bit sharp and it's certainly kind of, um, kind of points out the faults in in Emma herself but in you know this world she lives in of all these very high society rich people and but at the same time when it points out the faults of these things like it's very loving and it's still a beautiful love story and realistically the story is about Emma as a human being growing to realize um, that she should be kind to other people and care about them and genuinely have empathy for other people instead of just you know being catty and and making fun of people I suppose but it's a beautiful story um (laughs) which is funny because I never would really think that about the story of Emma it's never been a favorite from me but I have to say I love the actress who plays Emma her name is Anya Taylor-Joy and she's been in quite a few American movies um I think she's a real sort of up-and-comer sort of actress I think she's very good um, and I, <laughs> I just loved it. The other really interesting thing about this film is the screenplay is actually written by the author Eleanor Catton. So I wonder, I can't help but wonder, is this why it's so good? Like it's such a controlled, you know, the people who've created this film have so much control over it. It you know, it's not something that's got out of hand that you can see some of it sloppy or the pacing is off. Like it feels so expert in the way that it has been put together. Um, and I wonder if that comes down to this author, Eleanor Catton, um, who wrote the screenplay or adapted it from Jane Austen's novel, which came out in 1815. The novel did, not the screenplay. <laughs> so Eleanor Catton or Catton or however you say that is um, a New Zealand author. 
and she was the youngest person in history to win the Man Booker Prize, which is like a big fucking deal. But also, so she writes literary fiction for adults, um, very literary. And I have had her massive book, which won the Man Booker Prize, um, on my table waiting for me to read it for, say, three years now. And it's so big, like it's fucking 800 pages and I, I really want to read it. But I just haven't been able to bring myself to do it. It's so fucking big. But I have to say, after seeing this film and just seeing all oh, the cleverness with which this, the way that this story is told, um, I am so interested now to get into that novel and sort of just see what this author is about because she you know she's obviously incredibly skilled at writing and you know really understands her craft and I feel like that's the kind of author that I could read and probably learn a lot from so I'm quite excited to get stuck into that and if I ever finish it as a hugely enormous book I'll let you know how it goes but as for the film Emma you know, it's one of those things. If you don't like period dramas and you don't like Jane Austen, then don't go to see it because it won't be for you. But if you do like Jane Austen, then go watch it because it's so good. It's my favorite Emma adaption ever, ever, ever.